Watermaster Studio presents Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. Welcome to Brushing Up, the miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast, where I, Dan the Quartermaster, talk with hobby industry professionals, community leaders and volunteers, as well as content creators about their experiences in the hobby. On this episode, my guest is Ben, the owner and manager of The Grumpy Pony, an independent hobby store in Seven Oaks, Kent, in the south of England. I caught up with him a few days ago to talk to him about the ins and outs of running an independent hobby shop and what challenges he has faced as a retailer over the past year with the lockdowns. And I'm joined remotely by Ben from The Grumpy Pony in Seven Oaks, Kent. Ben, welcome to the show. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, very good. Thank you. It's great to have you on. Thank you uh, very much for having me. No, pleasure. Now, before we jump in and have a chat about uh, your shop, The Grumpy Pony, yeah. uh, I do have some obligatory hobby questions that I am required by Hobby Law to ask yep. everyone that comes on the show. Yeah. So the first question is, how did you get into the hobby? Um, well... I was introduced to Warhammer Fantasy by my twin brother, of all people. Um, he, want, he wanted to start collecting elves. This was probably when I was about 12. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit younger. He wanted to start collecting elves and recommended that I should start collecting goblins. Right. Um, which then inevitably meant that every game that we played was just an instant win for him. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, but then ever since then, I've been obsessed with anything either goblins, goblins, dwarves, orcs, anything sort of destructive or, you know, stuff like that. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the sort of how I got into it. And I was lucky, obviously, having a twin brother as well, because we could just sort of grab what we wanted and try out games together, you know, and we mm. always had someone ready to play. So I was really lucky in that respect. I guess a follow-up question is, have you got your revenge yet for all those uh, high-off massacres well, that they inflicted all... on you? No, um, short answer. <laughs> <laughs> Vengeance is coming. Yeah, well, yeah. When the Gloom Spike Gits book came out, I was so confident, so confident that I was going to get that, that much-needed W on the board. Yep. And um, he brought out his Ideneth Deepkin. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I thought, you know what? I'm even going to go down the Forge route, Forge route World route here. And I had a colossal cave squig. I had I had everything I could possibly get. Um, and he managed to kill my colossal cave squig in the first turn. Um, and I'm still. I think I've still got a little bit of uh, flashbacks from that that horrible day. Oh uh, no. But he, because he, the thing is, I think with my brother, he's a very, he's a much more sort of tactically minded person than I am. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I, I, he, he knows how to sort of sucker me into these, these situations. But one of these days, one of these days I'll get him. Yeah. The ogres always get a win. But my, my sort of hobby goal in life is to yep. beat my brother with my goblins at some point. Oh, it, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? It's got to be. I mean, we've, we've been playing together for, well, almost 20 years. I mean, yeah. sooner or later, I'm going to have to beat him at some point, yeah. just, by, just by the law of averages. Exactly. Um, speaking of which, uh, would you class yourself as either a gamer or a painter? If you had to pick yourself one of those camps, which one would you be in? Um, 
Well, I sort of enjoy both. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm a competitive gamer by any stretch. That's like right. I, say, um, I, I, I enjoy the games, uh, but mm-hmm. I enjoy them for the sort of narrative and the social side of it. Yeah. Rather than sort of tournaments or anything like that. Um, so I would say I'm sort of, I'm sort of sitting on the fence a little bit. I'm across both camps, if that makes any sense. But you'd sort of see yourself more as a, like a casual gamer. Casual gamer, and yeah, and a, yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, it's just I love both of them. I, I think both have really good um, aspects to them to that you can really enjoy. You know. Okay. Well, follow-up question is what What's your favorite game? What are you playing at the moment that's really kind of piqued your interest? Um, Age of Sigma for me is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the models. Yep. For me, that yeah, the game system's really nice and you know fluid and easy to sort of uh, sort of pick up. But then, you know, saying that there's also um, Test of Honor that I really mm-hmm. like, um, really enjoy that. I love anything sort of Japanese and that sort of aesthetic. So, you oh, know, yes. Test of Honor, having that sort of um, sort of Japanese cinema sort yeah. of feel to it, I absolutely love. Um, yeah, that Shogunate era of uh, yeah. feudal Japan. Yeah, it's just, it's just great. And, you know, game wise, again, that's a really nice one to pick up and play. You know, you can learn that in about 15 minutes. Mm. Um, and if you and for painting projects, yes, you know there's there's always a nice challenge there trying to get some sort of nice patterns and stuff on people's dresses and things like that, you know. Yeah. So you've got you've got a nice sort of you've got both cha- challenges both ways there as well for that game. I was going to say because you mentioned the samurai films, if you went down the Kurosawa um, route, would you try and do them like in the old like black and white sort of grayscale? So that they would look be like awesome. a, a Kurosawa. I, I mean, that would be amazing, and I never even thought of that. Um, oh. But yeah, now you've brought it up. Yes, that'd be amazing. Yeah, like Seven uh, Samurai or Hidden Fortress, one of those yeah. classic films. I absolutely love that idea. Yeah, um, yeah why not? I mean, it's such a it's, it's a, it, the way they've sort of done. Uh, you know, that game's been put together is is really nice, and it's it's in a nice sort of. All right, it's not a mass battle game, which is sort of what I really enjoy. But yeah. the, the, the it's a nice sort of cinematic skirmish game, which I yeah. really really enjoy. Um, there's yeah, so there was that. Um, there was also oh well, Frostgrave as well. Really mm-hmm. enjoy Frostgrave. Yeah. Um, Take it, you're pumped for Stargrave as well. Of course. Yep. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is as well, we we got um, we got loads of copies of Core Space into the in the shop as well at the moment, mm. and there's a really nice crossover between them because, you know, you could use you know these games where you can use whatever models you want. I really mm. enjoy because it's just yeah. anything that gives you options is is always good. Yeah. Um, you know, and the idea that I could probably grab a, you know, a crew box from Core Space, and then I can get all the the sort of gaming time out of out of Core Space that I want with that box, but then yeah. use that same stuff in in Stargrave as well. Yeah, you know, I absolutely love, um, and that's what I've done with uh, Frostgrave. So I use my Test of Honor models in Frostgrave as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I just I just move them around. You know, it's so funny whenever whenever I talk to. Uh, customers in the shop and I say mm. you know, they were you know one of the things you hear a lot is you know it's so expensive to get into different games and things yeah. like that but if you, you're willing to just use whatever models you want mm. you could use one warband and it could cover three or four different games yeah definitely you know? so there's always a way of getting around it I guess that leads on to the next question is what advice would you give to someone who is interested in getting involved in the hobby um first and foremost what I would say um ultimately have a look at what you like the look of mm-hmm so I, you know, as I say, I'm not, I'm not a competitive gamer and I do yeah. find that, but you get it, you, you get it sometimes where 
you get some people come in and all they want to know is what yep. do I need to get to win a tournament? Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's sort of like, well, you know, realistically, are you going to be going and playing tournaments right off the bat? Probably yeah. not. Like no. you're, you're probably not going to be going like, you know, trying to win tournaments in, in your first week of the hobby. You're more more likely going to be coming into shops like mine, mm. playing games with new friends, you know, yep. meeting people. Um, so you want to bring, you want to bring something that you like and, you know, if you're going to be painting it, you need to not like the look of it. So yeah. first things first, you know, look at what, like whatever game it is, look at what you like the look of. Mm -hmm. Start with that. And then after that, you know, then get stuff built up. If you've got people you already know that play that game, great. If not, talk to people like me. You know, a lot of us who sort of run these shops are happy to try and put you in contact with other people that play a certain game. Yeah. Um, you know, if we can. Um, so we can always arrange sort of you to meet up and, and things like that, you know, to, to meet and play other people and make sure that the people that you do play are interested in actually teaching you how to play, not just interested in just giving you a good old thumping. Like your twin brother. Like my twin brother did. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you know, that's one of the other things. I mean, you know, is it from, from the sort of, the experienced hobbyist's point of view, I do think there is an element of responsibility there from from us as well. Yeah, definitely. You, you know, to you know, we want new people to come into the hobby and we want new people to to enjoy it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean necessarily letting people win, but it also means giving them enough of an experience to mm. get the most out of it when they're first starting, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. And I yeah, so I think, you know, but the the, fir the very first thing I'd I'd say to people is look grab something that you like the look of mm -hmm. and, and well, well the, grab something that you like the look of and start small and work your way up. Yeah. Well, uh, that's bad advice there. Yeah. Uh, you know, just cause you know, you see, I, I've just seen it, you know, a couple of, well, I've seen it before in the past where people come in, they're like, no, no, no. I, you know, it sounds funny. Like a shop owner saying, no, don't buy all of this stuff. But yeah. I want them to keep coming back, you know? Definitely. And uh, I, I always say to people, look, if you start small and work your way up, yeah. then not only do you know this exactly, this is the army, this is the game I definitely want to stick with, mm. you also know that you're getting the most out of everything that you get. Yeah. You know, so I'd rather that and then people keep coming back to me Yeah. than me just selling them a ton of stuff and then going, well, I don't know what to do with all this. Yeah. You know, you say, um, I know it sounds sort of counterintuitive, but that's the sort of the way I do it. Mm. Well, with that in mind, let's let's dive into it and talk about the Grumpy Pony and uh, the hobby store that it is, and, and how you've kind of crafted it to be this this space yeah. um, that is welcoming for both you know beginner hobbyists and veterans. Yeah. But let's start at the start. Tell us how did it all start with the Grumpy Pony? Um, how long has it been going on for? Uh, and what's the store set up? What's what's on offer there for the customers? So we started. Well, we'll be we're celebrating our second year this month so oh congratulations thank you very much um yeah so this is this would be the yeah, year two now mm -hmm. um we had our year anniversary just before we went into the first lockdown oh no so <laughs> we were just about to celebrate we were having we had a whole weekend of events and stuff planned and then obviously it all had to yeah. get put on the back burner oh, but, no. um, but yeah i mean it's one of those things you know so many other small businesses have had to sort of to deal with it as well so we just yeah. have to sort of roll with it and and you know, we've come out the other side hope like luckily so yeah hopefully. you know yeah so but what what inspired you to to start up your own hobby store in the first place well 
I be, before I was a manager of a hobby store uh, mm. at all, I was actually working for Sky TV. Okay. As a, I was a picture editor, and it was an office job. And for years and years and years, I, I was in, I was there for about ten years. Mm-hmm. And during that time, the job became a, just an increasingly miserable experience. Oh no! And. I, I remember talking to my wife about it and saying, you know, I'm just thoroughly miserable. I don't know what I'm going to do because, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is horrible. Um, massive commute into work, you know, just a, just a thoroughly miserable experience. Well, anyway, as it turned out, my wife turned to me and she said, "Well, look, you've got you've got an option here. You can either carry on doing the job that you're doing, mm-hmm. never being around and being miserable, or you hand your notice in mm-hmm. and we look at what else you can do." So really, it was all down to my wife's sort of level of support that she gave me. Um, so what we decided was I was going to apply for a job at Games Workshop to learn yeah. how to manage a shop. Yeah. And, you know, learn the ropes and, and hope and, or stay there and sort of develop my skills and maybe work my way up the company, depending on how I felt at the time. Of course. Um, so what happened was, you know, I got offered a job and I went to work in Croydon and I managed the shop in Croydon for a year okay uh, while I was there and that was one of the steepest learning curves I think I've ever been through yeah I can imagine um re- you know great experience and and what I would say you know from my experience games workshop as a company to work for is mm. just just fantastic you know the the level of support that they give you as a staff member is is amazing I know obviously you know there's there's things that they don't do great all the time but from my experience they were they were pretty bloody good so yeah yeah Yeah. so I went from that and you know I learned learned a hell of a lot yeah and um you know we got to the point where I was sort of confident enough that I thought yeah no you know what we've got to do now is wait for the right sort of property to come about that we could rent yeah and um and then bite the bullet and just go for it so that's what happened so after about a year the, the property came up that we we wanted to rent yeah and um yeah my wife was just like right here's the kick that you need she was like right come on we're going to do this now nice. um, <laughs> yeah yeah you know and she she gave me the kick um to sort of go for it yeah so, so then we uh you know it was, it was a lot of like you know uh, getting favors from friends and stuff getting everything set up and a friend of mine helped build the actual countertop that we've got and, and there were tables and stuff. Yeah. We built them all from reclaimed wood and things nice. like that. So um, we built, yeah, we built everything in the shop. So even the um, the actual shelves on the walls were all recycled um, shelving units that we managed okay. to get hold of. Um, and, you know, just turned the whole shop around. Originally, when, it, when we first sort of came into the property, yeah. Uh, it was just the sort of downstairs bit, and I know you, you've been here a couple of times. Yes, you know, you times. know where we've got the um, the war room out the back. You yes, know, the actual table is. That was an old stock room that had a uh, clay kiln in it. Oh right, it had like a furnace thing in it. So that all got taken out. Yeah, and we turned that into the into the war room, which has got a nice six by four table in it, and then in a yeah. sort of isolated space, which is really nice. Yeah, it's a good um, good little setup. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, basically I spent a long time just trying to work out the spacing and how Mm. to sort of get as much as we possibly can in here without it being massively cramped. Because one thing I was really conscious of after sort of my experience with with Games Workshop was um, keeping the shop 
open, clean, mm. and welcoming to everyone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, but so that was it, really. I mean, it was, I mean, you know, I can't really give give the missus enough credit, really, because yeah. it was really because of her that I was able to do it. So, oh well, thank yeah. you very much for making that happen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pass pass on our thanks. Mm. Um, so you mentioned before about uh, you you came to your first anniversary, had all of these events planned mm. over that weekend, and obviously all hell broke loose for uh, the world with the global pandemic. Uh, I was just curious to know what kind of challenges you face uh, as a retailer. Obviously, retail has taken an absolute beating, mm. and whenever retail takes a hit, niche retailers take that hit even harder. Yeah. So um, how, how did you overcome those challenges? What did you have to do to change the way you operated to obviously keep the business running uh, and to, to keep this momentum going? Because as you said, you're, you know, we're at the point where the restrictions here in the UK are easing um, and fingers crossed we're on the other side of it. But, you know, how did you, how did you get through uh, that dark period where, you know, shops just couldn't open and operate? Um... Well, yeah, I mean, it, it meant that I had to sort of focus on areas of the, the business that I maybe shouldn't should have focused on a bit more when we first opened. So things like yep. the the online presence of the shop wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't great. Now it's improved a hell of a lot. Um, you know, that that sort of thing. So yep. really, we put a lot of focus. Well, I, I put a lot of focus into the the sort of online presence of the business as a whole. Um, OK, just to sort of get us out there, I ended up on, I got on BBC radio to sort of uh, get us, get our name out there. So people were aware of it. Um, so nice. people, people just couldn't shut me up. I was getting on every, everything I could. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, um, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for, for local communities as well. So, mm. you know, we got our name out into various sort of local um, sort of business um what they called sort of listings and stuff and yeah you know but you know very heart of seven oaks offered to put adverts out for us as well and things like that um you know that and you know just trying to keep people as informed as i possibly could uh Mm. throughout the especially through the first lockdown because i think there was a lot of unknowns as to what was going to happen yeah at that point and you know one of the things i was made abundantly aware of as soon as we went into that first lockdown was just how um important some people find the grumpy pony and i was really sort of humbled about that okay so i found it sort of important as well to make sure that those people who support the grumpy pony knew that we were not we were doing okay but also what we were planning on doing when we reopened and yeah you know so i would do things like um i I grabbed a, a load of mantic um dwarf models and i said the challenge is i'm going to build and paint this this army okay before the end of this lockdown um and how did you go i did it oh nice yeah so my badger riding dwarves are mm. uh, are ready to to hit the hit the field so it's stuff like that you know and you know just just trying to keep people really like you know keep them fresh in the hobby you know because a lot of people yeah. you know they wanted to they wanted to do stuff they wanted to support the shop but yeah you know the norm their way of doing it would be by coming into the shop and buying stuff when they're here mm. so um you know I, i've done that i've 
you know, Facebook posts, Instagram posts, and I've launched a podcast myself. So, yep. um, you know, that was that was good in itself just to sort of get to to know other sort of industry leaders. So, yeah. you know, I've, I've been really lucky to sort of get some some names on the podcast. You to, definitely have, yeah. To, to chat about stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just been a constant sort of trial and error, really, of just sort of trying to does, is this going to work? Is this going to get us out there enough? Um, what am I going to have to do um, to sort of, you know, push on our, our brand out even further, you know? Yeah. And and it's getting there, you know, and, and, you know, it says a lot that during lockdown, our actual community page, you know, our, our community page, the challenges group within the Facebook page has actually been growing. It hasn't been shrinking. So oh, that's good. So, you know, so people are joining, you know, yeah. so we're, we're not, we're not at a position where we're like, okay, we'll, losing people to to attrition more than we're getting people in so mm. you know which again i think is a testament to the community that we've built around here that it is so welcoming yeah and you, you've mentioned before about um i guess having you know showing people letting people know what's happening with the store during lockdown and then what's going to happen after the lockdown mm. um if if we go back to regular operating conditions what what have you done to sort of keep that balance going of both recruitment and retention? Because as you know, those are, are key aspects of success for a hobby store yeah. to, to have that new blood coming in and obviously keeping uh, all the, the old punters interested. So what does the Grumpy Pony do for both of those groups? Um, what's on offer for them? And, and what events do you run and, and how do you structure them so that it, it meets the needs of those two sort of I guess key demographics of customers. Yeah. Um, well, the the first thing we're doing when we come back is we actually have a um, so almost like a little mini hobby academy. Okay. Um, for for new for new hobbyists. So yeah. how does that work? So basically, what happens is on a weekend we have a dedicated time where new hobbyists can come in. Mm -hmm. They get a chance to get their hands on a model. They get a chance to build one, nice. paint it. And they get to take that one home with them at the end of the day as well. Brilliant. Um, you know, and then what happens is that's their first sort of session. And mm. then after about, I think it's, we've got it, we've got the plan for about four sessions essentially. So, okay. so you have a four session thing and they actually graduate from that into becoming a full blown sort of member, member of the Grumpy Pony community. Oh, good. So, so you actually have sort of almost a, a sort of graduation ceremony where they get a little prize at the end. Um, to say that obviously you, you're now you've now got the basics so mm -hmm. it's all about sort of teaching them the basics about building and painting yep. and and playing okay. so they get to use the models that they've built and painted as well so they get an idea of what it's like to actually play with these with these models as well that they use mm -hmm. and they get a, and the most important thing is they're, they're all learning at the same time and they're all sort of around the same sort of age so okay. they've all they've got a, a group straight off the bat that they can play with Oh, you know, good. so um, they've got that. So when they do sort of graduate from the sort of the mini, the mini group, they mm. can go straight into sort of the more veteran hobbyist group, knowing that they've got people already that play at their level. Oh, um, good. So they've got that. And also, you know, we've got, you know, I, I do like to try and reward veteran players that are willing to play new people in, mm. a, in a particular way. 
So not just the people that want to bring the filthiest list out no matter what. No. <laughs> but, you know, the, the sort of people that are willing to actually be patient and take some time with people that, you know, haven't, haven't yeah. got, you know, hours and hours under their belt of gaming time. So yeah. um, those people get, get rewards as well, whether it be just like free drinks or whatever, you know, there's always something that I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll offer. Um, but also saying that for the more experienced guys, oh, excuse me, um, yeah, for the more experienced guys, we've got various tournaments. We had a we had a blood bowl league that was going. Um, oh, okay, which I've get, I'm, I'm beginning to think the blood bowl league might be cursed. But, How so? Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> with the first league we did um, when I first opened, yeah, it it sort of petered out. We only had a because we'd only just opened. We didn't have yeah. a lot of people, but so that just sort of petered out. And then the second league we had, we got mm-hmm. three games in, and then we got hit by lockdown. Oh no. So, so I've got, I've got a feeling it might be cursed, but um, but we'll definitely try it again. You know, yeah, I'm always one for trying my luck. So, which we'll try it again. But we've got things like the Blood Bowl League. We've got mm-hmm. various tournaments, and one of the things I like to do here as well is mm-hmm. if someone comes to me and says, "I want such and such a tournament," mm-hmm. I, I will say, "Great, okay, well let's work together to yeah. work out the format that works for you." As a, as a player of that particular game, what would you expect in a tournament like that? Yeah. You know, and we're not, I'm not married to any particular sort of way of running events, you know, no. so we'll have, we'll have various sort of tournaments. I know at the moment I'm looking at a potential Kings of War tournament. Okay. Um, which, which should be loads of fun uh, yeah. when, we, when we can properly reopen, of course. But Yeah, when you can you, get people in the store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at that. We're looking at you know forty k tournaments because I know there's a, there's a couple of guys here that are really competitive and want to you know what I'll do in with forty k it's a little bit different I find because you've got such a range of different levels of gamer. Yes. Um, so what I'm thinking of doing with them is actually having a sort of competitive tournament where I know it sounds really silly like it's a competitive mm. tournament, non-com- but a tournament really that is aimed for people to take the filthiest list they possibly want <laughs> you know and go right you know if you want to be you want to really test your your metal let's, yeah let's put you up against all the other people that really want to test their metal yeah. you know you know and then and then i might do sort of like an introductory competition just so the the younger guys or the people not so experienced in tournaments yeah. can sort of dip their toe in and think oh is this really for me do i really want to go down this route of the the gaming route or not yeah. you know because because both are valid you know i'm not saying any, any yeah. more valid than the other i just no. i feel like you know you need to give people a fair shake at, at trying them out because if you're just getting absolutely hammered you're never going to want to play a competitive tournament at tournament again of course and uh, there's also obviously different styles of tournament play and, and events so mm. you know just because you play warhammer 40,000 doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna go to every warhammer 40,000 event under the sun yeah 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 exactly exactly that so yeah I'm, I'm very much you know i'm flexible with tournaments and things like that because i really want to cater for mm. what the players of those games do definitely well, that kind of leads on to the, the next thing I wanted to discuss with you about the community. You mentioned them briefly about the, the response that you were getting from them mm. um, during the lockdown and, and when you were uh, being active on uh, social media and, and traditional media as well. Um, I, I'm curious to know how the community has changed, um, I guess, locally in Seven Oaks with the Grumpy Pony opening its doors. Um, 
like how's it how's it grown was it was there uh, there was a hobby community present in the area and has it has it expanded and become um, a bit more uh, yeah, like it, a, it's, active well i mean I, I i must admit funnily enough when we first opened mm. the the sort of local area where the shop is kind yep. of treated me with a bit of suspicion they didn't really know what to expect. Right. So, okay. So um, it was kind of funny because um, I'd be getting messages um, on days when they're on, on, on a sort of a Monday morning. Right. To ask, asking me about, you know, what is it you do there? You know, from the locals. And it's like, yeah, what do you do? You know, is it, uh, what, you know I, I'm, cu- I'm curious. I'm not really getting what you do. Sure. So it was all very sort of like, yeah, I'm not sure. But you know, after a while, obviously that subsided as people have learned that we're we're you know we're a hobby shop and and yeah, yeah this is what we do. And the doors doors always open. So yeah, um, so we had that. But then um, you know, the, and since then the the, the community has just done just been growing and growing and growing. So you know, new people are discovering us every day. Mm. And um, one of the interesting things has been that we've actually got a, a coronavirus vaccine centre just across the road from us now oh right well, that's handy well yeah and you know <laughs> the funny thing is i had a, had a guy come in the other day and he said he said oh that must be a pain for you having a coronavirus uh, center across the road and i was like well quite the opposite actually because you know people are queued up and they're looking over and they look over and they see a sign for the grumpy pony and they're like what's that mm. and then all of a sudden there's i'm getting phone calls from people saying oh i was getting my vaccine and i realized you, you sell all these tabletop games and things can i come in he's like well yeah you can now so uh yeah so you know last week i, I must have had well i it was basically all customers that i'd never met before but had seen the the shop by waiting to get their vaccine well that's that's some great free advertisement right it there, sure is it? yeah <laughs> uh yeah but i mean the community itself i mean i, I consider myself really lucky to have mm. the community that we've got um because every everyone is really supportive and we go for you know it is the idea that everyone is welcome as long as you you know as long as you want to in, enjoy your hobby you yeah. know you know that's that's it there's nothing wrong there's no rules on how you enjoy it no you know so you know the rule of call is the only rule that really should be paid attention to as far as yeah. i'm concerned yeah as long and, as you enjoy your hobby and you let other people enjoy it as well yeah exactly exactly yeah. exactly that and um i think you know that that is the philosophy that is really sort of taken root here and like i say when we first went into the lockdown um it was made clear to me just how sort of important a lot of people who come to the shop find the grumpy pony yeah so for them it's their chance to meet new people it's their chance to socialize um because you know we're a social space as much as we are a shop you know as more than anything else Mm. and and that for for a year has been taken away from us so yeah you know that that has been sorely missed and i and i must admit in my sort of naivety i was i was surprised to hear just how sorely missed it was okay but, but you know it's not certainly not negative it's just uh, i just wasn't expecting it you know well you've you've kind of answered my next question i had for you which is what role do you see independent hobby stores playing in their local community uh as you mentioned it's it's a meeting space it's it's sort of that cornerstone of the, the hobby community in a way. Mm. But I'd be curious to know, uh, as somebody who has worked for Games Workshop and now having gone and started up your own independent hobby store, how do you see 
the role of, of stores like the Grumpy Pony, those independent hobby stores playing in the wider uh, gaming industry? Um, well, I think they're essential. Mm. I, you know, I, I really, I, I genuinely do. Because I agree with you, yeah. You know, because, yes, you know, we've got Games Workshop stores dotted around and, and they're mm. great at introducing people to Games Workshop products and, and things like that. But, yeah. you know... The, the other there are other games out there there are other manufacturers out there and mm. you know we you know, I, I try and support as many different games as i possibly can um yep. but you know you need to be able to have a physical place to do that you need to be able to sort of show people these are what the models look like you know this is how you build it it's a tactile hobby you know and it's it's a social hobby and the, the shops give you a central point where you can actually meet and you can say, okay, well, let's both meet at the, let's both meet at the pony and we can, we can get a game in or we can just, we can chat about hobby and we can, you know, just share our, you know, our shared interests together in a, in a common space, you know? Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a hobby that it, it, it relies on that. It relies on that shared sense of community to, to really thrive and mm. I think, you know, as if, if we do sort of lose, if we lose any sort of independent hobby shop, I think it's a sore loss because yeah. that's another area where they're not getting a friendly community of like-minded people where they can enjoy their hobby. You know, computer games are great, but yeah. you're not physically actually talking to anyone. No, you're you know? not playing them in a gaming store either. No. No. You know, you know yeah. there's... There's, um, you know, and I think, you know, physical stores like mine and, and mm. like others uh, are, are actually, you know, they are a keystone to the hobby. You know, as soon as if, if say, for example, there were no stores at all, if there were no physical stores, mm. you know, you'd have to be relying on clubs to run it. Yeah. And you, I, I just don't think they would have the same reach. You'd have to go down there on a particular evening or wherever to, yeah. to get that club. You know, that then would mean that the hobby, I think, would appeal to a lot less. You know, you wouldn't be able to get those younger kids in because they wouldn't, no. be, they wouldn't be able to go to these clubs unless their parents were going to take them. Yeah. You know, um, so I think, you know, uh, you know, supporting the local community shop and supporting your local game store is, is, is a keystone to actually being a hobbyist, I think. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree with you on all of those points. Uh, I think that, that that's definitely something that has been highlighted to us in uh, the pandemic uh, with all the lockdowns and restrictions, um, not just for hobby stores, but for all retail uh, mm. in the role that they play um, in our society and in our communities as well. Yeah. Um, but I was also keen to kind of find out um, – you mentioned about the other manufacturers out there in, in the tabletop industry. Um, what's it been like working with them? Are some of them more supportive than others? I don't want you to obviously name names. We're not naming and shaming um, miniature manufacturers or, or whatnot, but just what's, what's the relationship like between the independent stockists like yourself and those manufacturers out there? Like how, how does, how does that work? And um, well, I mean, you know, Games Workshop is is sort of like a, an animal on its own. So, yes, like the way course. the way it does things, you know, you yeah. get a, you get a phone call every week from the account manager, and yeah, you know, it it has it has a level of resources that, you know, realistically, there's not many other companies that are going to have that. No, but you know, 
all I, I have to say, all of the comp- all the manufacturers I have dealt with mm. um, on any level have been massively supportive um, because you know they don't have physical bricks and mortar stores yeah. these, these places to to advertise their their products and get them out there so they are they are hugely supportive i mean i i recently just sort of went all in on battle systems stuff and and speaking to colin at battle systems and mm. and and what they've done there you know it's i think it's really impressive and you know they they were they were gracious enough to send me you know a couple of free copies of their scenery and and the core space box game so i can actually show that to customers and things like yeah. that you know so they're they're all they're all willing to sort of help you and and get and get in you know support you as much as they possibly can you know mm. um you know and you know mantic as well i mean i've got a lot of time for mantic i really enjoy them i think they're they're hilarious you know the, the guys <laughs> that you, you sort of speak to uh they're just you, you you don't get any of the sort of corporate speak with mantic you know it's uh it's very straightforward and, and I can't, I kind of appreciate that as well, you know? So um, I think they're great. I, I say, I, I can't think of any that I've had a negative experience with, to yeah. be quite honest with you. Um, and I think, I think that's one thing about the industry as a whole, uh, from my experience in any way that, um, you know, everyone, everyone knows that we're a niche industry mm. and the idea of being sort of cutthroat about it won't get us anywhere. No. You know, so everyone I've spoken to, they're obviously they're they're all keen to get their products on the shelves and things like that, um, and they're willing to support to get that done as well. So and they're willing to, you know, get, the the biggest challenge I think we have at the moment, as far yeah. as sort of manufacturers and and retailers, is the the Kickstarter thing. And okay, I so well, I mean, I, I've been I've been quite sort of vocal about it anyway in the past, mm. but I've always found that. As much as I, I, from a manufacturer's point of view, I can totally understand why they will use Kickstarter, you yeah. know, to, to fund projects and, and get things out there. Um, it's just, it's just sad that when something goes on a Kickstarter, there is absolutely no incentive for a retailer like me to also go all in on it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the, you know, something like the the Kickstarter that that Northstar did for um, Stargrave was really good. Because it allowed it allowed retailers to actually benefit from the the sort of the release as well, and have stuff that we can sort of provide our customers as well. You know, yeah. But when when things go on a Kickstarter, we're sort of taken out of the loop completely, and mm. it just means that there's no real incentive for us to then stock it because everyone who was really really keen on it would have got it. Yeah, and we we would be then having to take a punt on something that's already already in everyone's hobby rooms you know well you're already taking punts on on everything else in your business so this is just adding further risk to it isn't it well it is yeah, yeah. exactly so and you know and, and although you know you look at these things that are hugely popular and you're like well if i was to go in on it often yeah. the people that have gone on in the kickstarter get more out of it at the kickstarter anyway yeah so it's just it's just a shame and but like i say i, I do completely understand why in like you know manufacturers do it because yeah yeah it's it, you know why wouldn't you? I mean, it makes sense, but I, I just I would like to see more things like the Nick Starter that Northstar did. That mm. you know that it allows retailers to then celebrate it as well because yeah. you know we want to get involved in these these things as well. That's why a lot of us open these shops in the first place. So of course, so yeah, um, but yeah, hopefully more things like that in the future. But that that is that is certainly a challenge with that with the Kickstart thing. 
Definitely. Um, so I guess the only other sort of things to talk about, as you mentioned before, um, about how there's a lot of positives of operating um, an independent uh, stockist. Um, I guess let's try and round it out. Um, what would you say are your, your favorite and least favorite parts about running an independent hobby shop and, and why would you go with those sort of things, if that makes sense? Um, so, well, favorite things, I think for me, well, the, certainly the most rewarding thing has been building a community out of nothing. Mm. You know, watching it grow and watching the people come in and make friendships. And I know it sounds really corny, but, yeah. you, know, I, you know, when, you know, creating a space, you know, we, this was an empty space, came in, built the Grumpy Pony, and now this is where people met for the first time and made friends. Yeah. You know, for me, that's huge. And that's, in, that's incredibly important to me. Um, and it's something that I want to, con- you know, want to continue, want to see, see more of, you know, because yeah. I think there's a huge amount of value in that from a, from a selfish point of view anyway. It's, it's sort of like, oh, I did that. You know, it's like, you know, that, that, that's great. And, and it's an opportunity for me to enjoy my hobby with so many new people you know people come in to chat to me and talk about hobby and we'll be talking for ages you know just talking about what they're enjoying and it's not a sales conversation you know it's a conversation about hobby mm. um and we you know and, and I've, I've been always upfront and honest about that as well i always say like i don't do sales conversations i no. do hobby conversations so yeah. you know if you want to talk about your hobby absolutely um i'm, I'm all for it um so yeah, the, the community for me and that has got to be the most positive thing. Um, the sort of biggest challenge I have, I think, as far as running a hobby shop is that um, I suppose what it would be at the moment is the delays on some stock. Mm. I, there's nothing I find more frustrating um, than getting delays on stock coming in. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the moment, I mean, customers that we have here are, are so understanding anyway. It's not really anything I can do about it. Yeah, of um, course. And, I don't, you know, I think I benefit from the fact of having a, they, they have a direct line to me. So if there's any issues or if they're concerned about where their order is, mm. they can message me and I, and I will reply to them straight away with what the situation is. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, you know, things like that. I mean, we've just been waiting for the, games workshop sprays to come back in i think everybody Luckily, does yeah <laughs> they're coming they're coming back in this week so oh, good so yeah hopefully either today or tomorrow i'm gonna to have those sprays in and, and they'll get, be getting sent out to everyone that's that's ordered them over the last couple of weeks so there's that but you know things like that and just waiting but it's 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 a frustration and it's one of those things it's just it's just one of those negative things that you just kind of have to deal with and it's yeah. something that affects us all i think so i think most other hobby shops would probably agree with me on that one, which is yeah. they're just sort of waiting for things. And yeah. And I suppose that goes hand in hand with things that um, do really well and then go out of stock mm. and then you can't get any more of them. Yeah. Because... <laughs> so that's, that's maddening sometimes. Cause you're like, you know, something's, something's that good. It's such a great product and then you can't get it anymore. It's um, it's a real shame. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do. That's a decision yeah. that's been made by manufacturers, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah. So stock, I suppose, sometimes would be the. It it, it it's great to see it come in, but when you're waiting for it, oh, it's frustrating. Yeah, I can imagine. 
well, I don't don't have to. I, I know what it's like when I'm doing commission work and I, I need to get my hand on, you know, as you said, sprays or paints and, and it's just everywhere's out of stock. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. What, I can't, what can I do? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, like I say, I mean, I, th- I think I think I'm very lucky and I think, mm. you know, with, with the customers that I have, they're all very understanding. They all know that it's not, it's not, you know, just an isolated shop issue. It's, it's no. something that's a bit wider than that. So. Of course, yeah. So yeah, and and I don't know, I don't know about you, but I've sort of learned just how well informed a lot of hobbyists are. <laughs> so, yeah. So they seem to know stuff before I do sometimes, but um, you know, there's the, they seem so well informed, and it's it's pretty good that they know. And they'll. That I had a message the other day from someone saying um, that he actually works in the shipping industry. All right. And he, and he said, oh, I've ordered some. I think it was X-wing stuff. Okay. And he'd, he'd ordered some X-Wing stuff and he said, oh, don't, it might have been X-Wing. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was um, Plague Marine stuff. This, so this was before, this was, this was a few months back. Right. And he'd ordered some Plague Marine stuff. And he said to me, oh, um, I ordered this Plague Marine stuff. And I was like, okay, um, let me have a look at it. He goes, oh, I just wanted to let you know it's going to be delayed. I was mm. like, oh, okay. How do you know that? And he's like, oh, well, it's my job to direct the shipping and that one's got stuck so so that one's stuck in the system somewhere so it's going to take a little bit longer and he was like he's like i just wanted to let you know so you you can expect there's going to be a bit of a delay i was like oh right great so thanks for letting me know so instead of me saying oh i'll find out what what i can for you he'd he'd already told me exactly what was going on so so yeah i mean it was interesting it's interesting yeah a bit of handy insider knowledge there to yeah yeah ah good um i guess the only other thing I'd, I'd ask on that point would be is if you had any advice for anyone out there who's listening, who's thinking about uh, doing what you've done and opening their own independent uh, you know, bricks and mortar hobby shop, obviously not in the Seven Oaks area, but, yeah. <laughs> but out in the wider world, um, what advice would you give them? What's, what, what needs to be taken into consideration when you're looking at establishing a business like this and, and what, you know, what kind of, people do you reckon thrive in that environment and you know what, um, what does it take i think first and foremost be ready to be working 24 7 mm-hmm. you don't get a weekend um right. you, you 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 just need to be contactable you need to be ready i mean you know the shops close monday tuesdays but i'm doing stock orders i'm yeah doing or doing all the paperwork stuff that needs to be done on, on mondays and tuesdays mm. um you know and I think you know, especially if you're if you're the one sort of running the shop, you need to be um, sort of a, a socially minded person. Okay. You know, in, in my opinion, you know, you need to be able to be to be chatting to people, um, open and ready to sort of be positive with people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you might be really really stressed, but someone wants to come in and enjoy their hobby. So yeah, you've got to be positive about that. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, a socially minded person. I mean, I, I, I realised just how sort of socially minded I was when we went into this second lockdown, with this third lockdown, because yeah, you know, with I was counting down the days before I could open up again, mm. yeah, you know, just so I could talk to someone again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, you know, for me, I think you have to be that sort of mind where you are so keen just to be chatting to people. Yeah, because you will be doing it a lot. Of course. You know, and if someone's talking about, about something, some hobby that you're not, you know, you're not 100% all in on, mm. then, you know, you, you're going to find it really hard if you're not socially minded. 
mm. you might just you might just be like, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to talk to you about that, which is no good. But I mean, I'm lucky because I seem to like everything, as my brother always says. But um, right. but yeah, but you've got you've got to be open and you've got to be open to, to people's hobbies, you know, and you can't sort of, what's the word? I'm trying to sort of put it in a, in a sort of concise way, but I'm really struggling. But yeah, right. essentially, essentially you just need to be sort of ready to chat to people. Cause that is the most yeah. important thing of this, this, you know, of owning a shop like this. I don't think there's anything. I think there's nothing worse than you go into a shop and someone, you know, either sort of jumping all over you, trying to sell you something yeah. or, or just completely ignoring you. No. Yeah, I think there's there is there is always a, a happy balance between the two. Yeah, and, and every customer's different, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, so what you know, the the way I always do it is everyone always gets greeted when when they, the door the door gets opened. Yep. But I don't sort of then jump over their shoulders and say like, "You're right. What are you buying today?" Um, mm. It's more about you know, nine times out of ten they come to me if they're yep. just having a browse or anything like that. You know, I'll leave them to it until I see that they might need some help. And exactly. Then that's it. Yeah. You know, um, but that's one of the things. You know, I've I've always said that's one of the reasons why I don't go to mobile phone shops because I can't okay. stand it person. I can't stand it personally. I can't stand it. Fair enough. When yeah. you walk into a shop and someone's like all over you. Yeah. And it's like no, you know, I just want to have a look at stuff. You know. Yeah. You know, and and that's what I try and do here. I just try and let people have a look. If they've got questions, I'm happy to answer them. If yeah. they want to just have a browse, that's fine too. You can have a browse. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, All right, good stuff. So for those people who uh, have listened to us chat and like the sound of the Grumpy Pony, want to find out more, want to pop down and, and check check out the store or come along to one of your events, what's the best way they can go about getting those that information and staying in touch with so, the Grumpy Pony? Got a couple of ways. So yep. one way is checking out our Grumpy Pony website. So mm-hmm. grumpypony.co.uk. Yeah. Um, on there, you've got um, a contact form, so you can get in contact with me directly there, or the shop's number. Brilliant. You can give me a call on that. Yep. Alternatively, we've got the Grumpy Pony Facebook page. Yep. Which is obviously Grumpy Pony. So if you search that, you should see my my little logo of Bill, the Grumpy Pony. Yeah. Um, and it will come up, and you can message me on there as well, and it comes straight directly through to me, and I can you know talk to you about various events and things. Within the Facebook group, there is a members group. So it's called the Challengers group. So that's for people that are looking to sort of arrange games or okay. if even if I'm looking to introduce a new tournament or a new event, mm. I'll sometimes push it to that group to sort of get the feel for what people are interested in as well. Mm-hmm. So if there's, if there's going to be changes at the Grumpy Pony, normally it sort of goes to that group first so they're aware of what's going on. Um, and they can sort of chime in with any ideas that they might have. So, cool. yeah, so the challenges group within the Grumpy Pony Facebook group sort of a really useful one to have. Um, so in there, you know, and you've also then got connections with, I think we've got over 150 members now. So, you know, it's growing all the time as well within that group. Oh, wow. Well, so, that sounds, sounds great. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's, it's for if you've got, it, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're doing some projects and you want to just show yeah. them off on there, you can put some pictures up. Um, the only thing I the only thing I don't allow on there is selling. So no, of course it's not. not a, it's not a marketplace. It's a hobby no. area. So yeah, yeah. You know, so there's no selling allowed on there. No. Um, but if you if you want to talk about games or if you you know want to you know, anything on there, you know, obviously there's there's certain rules about being, yeah, being respectful. But yeah, but it's Obviously. there. It's, it, it's there for people to just enjoy 
yeah. their hobby with each other, which has been invaluable over lockdown, I must admit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those, those are the best ways to do it. Um, I am on um, Instagram as well, Facebook yep. and Instagram. So they're, they're both links. So it's a GP cool. hobby on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And what else? Oh, and I've, and I've got my, my podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to ask so, about the podcast. Yeah, so... Yeah. The, on, on the main game, uh, on the main Grumpy Pony website, yep. there is actually a podcast page, so you can catch all the previous episodes there. And um, every well, I try and get episodes up on a Friday, so there okay. will be new episodes up every Friday. Although the last week, I must admit, has sort of fallen back a bit because yeah. the shop's been opened and I've I've had other things sort of there, sort of in the way. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, every, the, the, when there are new episodes, they go up on a Friday. Okay, great. And uh, any any anything interesting on the show coming up? Um, well, I'm looking at getting the creator of Test of Honor on. Oh, that'd be cool. So he's he's hopefully going to be on. I think we're going to be doing that a little bit later in the year, though, because okay. he's got he's got a new game in the works, right. and he wants to talk about the new game as well in yeah. that podcast. So that could be a really good one. Um, I'm also trying to tap up some YouTubers to try yeah. and get them on and see how they're going. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm, at the moment, I'm just trying my luck because I was a little bit surprised at the sort of guests I was able to get. Yeah, so, you've so... had some, some really cool guests on your show. I'm very jealous. After... Oh, you know, <laughs> and I'm not even sure how I did it. I'm just incredibly lucky, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, and they've all been very generous with their time. And yep. So, yeah, it's been it's been really good, really good. Um, so hopefully we can get more of the same. And, and, and I think um, there's, a, there's an artist in who's he's a Spanish guy from Barcelona who was one of my first um, proper guests on. And he's, he's a really talented guy. Mm. And he does all sort of uh, Photoshop uh, commission artwork. Okay. So, so if you're an artist and, and really interested in that sort of stuff, he's, that's a really interesting one that we did. Oh, um, I'd, cool. be, I'd be interested to get him back on because that was, that was a little while ago now. So I'd, I'd be interested to have him come back on and, and talk about how he's been as well. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Have to listen. I'll pop all those links in uh, the episode description so the listeners can go and check all that out for themselves. But uh, Ben, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks and, for having um, me. And wish you and, and the rest of the um, Grumpy Pony community there all the best moving forward. Hopefully the restrictions ease, we can get in, play some games, paint, have a chat over a, a cup of uh, coffee or hot chocolate or whatever's being served across the bar there and um, just have a, have a good old time. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for having me and all the best to you, mate. Thank you. And that was Ben from The Grumpy Pony. And I've put the links he mentioned for The Grumpy Pony's social media and contacts in the episode description below. So please do check those out. Now, before we go, obviously this interview has highlighted just how pivotal a role independent hobby stores like the Grumpy Pony play in our local gaming and miniature painting hobby communities. So they've been doing it really tough this, this last year and it, it's up to us to get out there and support them in any way we can. So when it is safe to do so in your local area, please do get out to those bricks and mortar hobby stores like the Grumpy Pony and support them in whichever way you can Every little bit helps, whether it's buying a paint or, or picking up a box of models, it all adds up. So please, when it is safe, do get out there and show them your love and keep this, uh, this community and this industry alive. Uh, it's all up to us. 
but that's it for this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll catch you next time. But until then, keep on hobbying. You've been listening to Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. If you have enjoyed the show, why not follow us on Facebook? Facebook.com forward slash Quartermaster Miniature Building Painting. And on Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Quartermaster Studios. To find out more about Quartermaster Studios Commission Painting Services, please visit QuartermasterStudios.com. Brushing Up is a Quartermaster Studios production with music supplied by BenSound.com.